0: Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregald Barron. Every week I speak to leading sustainability thinkers and practitioners, scientists, economists, NGOs, business leaders, and investors. We discuss the sustainability imperative, the key challenges, the latest thinking, and what's working in sustainability, resilience, and regeneration. I'm thrilled today to welcome three young climate activists to the Sustainability Agenda podcast to discuss COP26. Sohanur Rahman is a journalist and social worker from Barisal in Bangladesh. He is founder of the YouthNet for Climate Justice, a voluntary youth organisation network for raising awareness and taking actions to tackle the adverse effects of climate change. Lucy Jordan is an English climate activist, member of UK Youth Climate Coalition, whose mission is to mobilise and empower young people to take positive action for global climate justice. She is organiser of its COP Working Group. And John Paul Joes is a young environmental and climate activist from the coastal state of Kerala in India. He is one of the youth leaders of Fridays for Future in India and collaborates with many other environmental groups, including the UN Major Group for Children and Youth, the United Nations Convention on combating desertification. Before we begin this week's episode here's a message about our partner the Environmental Justice Foundation. The Environmental Justice Foundation is an NGO working to protect environmental security as a basic human right. Using powerful films and photography alongside hard-hitting investigations EJF exposes environmental destruction and ensuing threats to human rights telling the stories of those at the front lines. EGF takes local fights to the very heart of governments and businesses across the world to secure lasting global change. By providing training for grassroots campaigners, EGF also helps to give a voice to the next generation of environmental defenders, strengthening global action to protect people, wildlife, and our shared planet. So thank you very much for joining me today on the Sustainability Agenda. I'm so excited to speak to you and I'd like to welcome Sooner. John and Lucy, Uh, it's taken a little bit to organize this and get you all together, but it's uh, great to, to have you here.
1: Hi, Fergal. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Fergal.
2: Happy to be here.
0: Great, great. So maybe just to start off with, uh, Sohanar, if you could just uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you're an activist. What's on your mind? The kinds of issues you're working on and um, the organizations which you're working with as well. And then we'd go maybe to John and then to Lucy. Thank you.
3: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. So uh, I am from coastal uh, area. I born and brought up here in a coastal village. So I witnessed super cyclone named Cedar and Isla. So in my childhood, I faced many natural disaster. So uh, my community is the most affected communities due to climate change. And this disaster is increasing day by day. And it's a intensified cyclone, salinity increasing, is creating uh, problems and pressure to our uh, people's livelihood and it's impacting our food nutrition water and also the public health because due to climate change we are facing waterborne diseases like diarrhea and cholera and also vectorborne diseases especially dengue dengue outbreak is here so climate crisis is killing us slowly but the global leaders they are not paying attention for uh, this crisis and as bangladesh we are uh, is a very minimal contributor for this global emission only 0.04 but we are the most affected and we are paying a high price for this crisis so it's injustice so tackling this injustice hold the governments to account i started youth network climate justice to mobilizing local level young people and capacitate them and raise their voice, amplify their voice and hold accountable our national government as well as our global leaders. And also taking some action in the grassroots uh, in terms of adaptation and mitigation efforts and changing our livelihoods in individual life. So I uh, motivated And uh, I motivate and organize our young people as a next generation, next leader and current leader to tackling climate crisis. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. John, can you tell us a little bit about your background and interests?
2: Hi. uh, Well, uh, so uh, my name is John Paul Jose. I am from uh, Kerala, India, so the southernmost part of India. So uh, I come from an agriculture family. So that uh, helped me to have like close connection with nature through conservation, through agriculture, and also like living amidst nature. So when I moved to cities for studies, it was difficult like living in a concrete jungle. So that's how I began to reconnect with nature and trying to reimagine the nature which I used to live in cities. So I began to engage in small actions like a tree plantation, then co-founding civic groups, engaging in protecting urban forests, and uh, changing urban landscape with uh, centering nature around. So it was also the same time I began to be aware of, of environmental issues happening across the globe, including India. And when I come back home during vacation, I was able to see those kind of disruptions happening here as well as. So for instance, uh, plantations, uh, mining, then destruction of forests, so those things were like one of the uh, common things which uh, was seen here, and also at the same time we began to see the impacts of uh, climate change. So from environmentalism or social activism, I began to focus more on climate activism as well because it began to be like uh, felt because like we used to hear only about global warming or like melting of ice as what we call as climate change through books like something like a fact box, but we began to experience that like. Uh, so, this en- ecological destructions actually laid foundations for this uh, climate crisis to be worse. So, we have here like extreme flood uh, coming out of extreme rainfall, then uh, landslides, drought. So, to uh, have some actions, I initially began to focus on our local area through uh, local activism and also uh, practices like conservation and incorporating a lot of sustainability into our own tradition uh, agriculture practices. And also began to organize with organ- uh, uh, groups like Greenpeace and also joining uh, Climate Strikes, then also being part of uh, institutes like High Seas Alliance, then other collaborative uh, NGOs and institutes, and also at the same time focusing on like a three area kind of actions where focusing on what we as individuals could do, at the same time what we could do with a uh, collaboration with others, and also an activism where we demand uh, actions from the government and corporates because when we do all of these things, it translates that like we are small individuals and our actions doesn't matter because there are like hundreds of industries emitting like tenfold the population of more than like more activists uh, being on the streets or anything. So it's it was important for me to focus on like making those uh, people who actually pollutes accountable. Yeah.
0: Fantastic work. Thank, thank you for joining us today, John. Lucy, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Hi, my name is Lucy. Um, I'm from a town called Margate in the UK, and um, I'm a member of the UK Youth Climate Coalition. I've been campaigning within the climate space ever since I was 18. I first went to COP24 in Poland, and um, I've been campaigning as a climate justice activist ever since. Um, just from what Sahana and John were saying, um, I first got into climate activism, not because I uh, live on the front lines, obviously in the UK, we do not feel the 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 hardest impacts of the climate crisis, but it was because I started reading books about the climate crisis and, and it was, I was baffled that it was such a huge um, problem that we were facing and yet it seemed that no one knew about it and no one was doing anything about it and and I felt confused and angry and and had to channel that somewhere so that's why I began campaigning um and at the cops um I'm really interested in um the dynamics of gender and human rights within the cop negotiations and prioritizing climate justice in in all of the the politics and uh solutions that we prioritize within those spaces.
0: Fantastic, fantastic work. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. Just while I'm talking to you, uh, uh, what what does the COP26 mean to you?
1: So COP26 for me um, is a fantastic opportunity um, to get all of the countries in the world in one room to really try and push for really ambitious targets to solve this crisis i mean we had 120 world leaders in one room that was the biggest uh congregation of world leaders that the uk has ever had and so if there was ever an opportunity for them to really make meaningful change on the climate crisis this is a pretty good one um so for me what i was hoping from the negotiations was for them to be led by science um, and to keep 1.5 alive um because that is ultimately you know why we're all here we're listening to the scientists and those on the front lines who are telling us about the impacts and what they are seeing um and so i was hoping for the solutions to be just and equitable and to prioritize those who are most impacted within the climate crisis as well so indigenous peoples peoples from the global south and youth um particularly so uh it's it was supposed to be, I think, a chance for many young people to feel more hopeful about the future. Um I at the moment I'm 21 and I um I currently dread what I'm going to witness in my lifetime. You know, the demise of 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 the world's natural habitats and ecosystems and and the impacts that it's going to have on communities everywhere. Um and so for me this COP was a substantial chance. Um For governments to slow down that trajectory um, and provide young people everywhere a glimpse of a future that's more prosperous and hopeful. Obviously, we're only halfway through at the moment, so we'll see if that uh, if uh, if that is the case by the end of next week. But um, yeah, we will see.
0: Yeah, very interesting. We can come back and maybe discuss some of the the uh, well results, uh, some of the commitments so far, and so forth. But thank thank you for that, Uh, John. um, You you're you're in India. You wanted to come to COP twenty six. Can you talk a little bit about what 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 it means to you?
2: Yeah, so COP twenty six was very important for like people like us, like especially those from vulnerable countries. And even when we look back, we have like history of colonialism and all those th- that. So there exists a lot of socioeconomic insecurity. And with that, uh, climate crisis is something like a double whammy. Like we have to face that as well. So it's a difficult situation. And COP26 was uh, like, it should have been a platform where scientists, indigenous communities, people who are affected, and all those who are the lines who could come together and liaise with government and corporates and make them accountable to act for the future. But none of us have been platformed there because it is one of the most like exclusionary, uh, like mostly inaccessible to all of us. And it's also focusing more on like uh, like what we have been continuing for years. That is uh, negotiations with uh, business leaders to like profit from a crisis. So addressing a crisis means we get a lot of business opportunities. For instance, we have like a uh, booming mask industry. We have vaccine industry. So it's to deal with COVID. So that those are the effective solutions to deal with uh, the pandemic. But when it comes to climate crisis, we have effective solutions, but they are like uh, continuing to greenwash with showing some solutions as uh, real solutions that is very much away from science. So one instance is like net zero where we, uh, so they set the targets, like distant targets. So that means they continue to pollute until 2050 or 2070. And at the same time, they uh, also continue to offset them either by buying someone who is reducing uh, their emissions, also uh, having their own like restoration projects like cutting down forests, installing some offset projects. So those things actually are beyond science. Like it's away from science, it's completely industrialist in nature. India committed like a net zero target of 2070. So that means until 2070, India will continue to pollute. Also the issue with deforestation. So like they said, like by 2030, some of them have signed to end deforestation. That means nine more years, they are going to cut down trees, forests, and like completely erase many natural ecosystems and also indigenous communities and traditions. So this itself shows like, that doesn't want to act or they're not serious enough. They're just trying to profit from a crisis and just delaying real actions, which we need. So COP26 is just a place where, like a place of greenwashing and also like playing around with words. Like when they say all those, this zero net and also this uh, terms, then actually we might think like it's something which is going to change the future, but those things are actually impact us very much worse in the future. So countries like India, it means a lot if we take real actions because every actions which we delay, then more impacts which we face. And since 2018, like we are in a climate emergency because like every season or even without a gap we see different disasters, like whether cyclone, uh, extreme weather or like uh, flood, then uh, drought. So all those things are like highly impacting us the way in which we live, our livelihood, everything. So, but for COP, those industries and governments just a space for, like, reimagining the economic space and reimagining their profits, rather than lives of people. Yeah.
0: Thank you, John. Uh, very interesting perspective. Um, and so, Anur, can you talk a little bit about what what COP COP twenty six means to you?
1: COP, <clears throat>
3: sorry, COP twenty six means to me a survival questions to my Bangladesh and Bangladeshi community. So it's uh, a platform to uh, protecting our planet and our peoples, especially the most affected peoples and communities. So the global leaders, they built their promise in the Paris under the Paris agreement, and they must be delivered their promise in the Glasgow and finalizing the Paris rulebook to keeping. Or limiting the global warming in the 1.5 degree in, uh, in in line with the pre-industrial level, and second one, they must deliver their promise on the climate finance and uh, to adaptation and resilience, because many communities like my community is facing uh, natural uh, climates and climate change effect for. For, their histo- for the global leader uh, glo- uh, polluter's country's historical contribution. So their, respo- response, their responsibility is historical. They uh, emit and they uh, are, n- are now industrialized and in rich country. Climate crisis is not hitting rich and poor equally. Global leaders is telling we are in the same crisis, in the same boat, but we are not in the same. Both, so COP 26 uh, is a, uh, should be a platform to deliver the, and ensure climate justice. But they are not. They are uh, uh, they are showing greenwash here, but it not. Uh, but it should not be like this. Should be a platform to secure planet and people. Thank you.
0: Thank you, so so I wanted to talk to as young activists and to get your perspective as young people. And I'm wondering about how you feel about the older generations, their role in creating these problems and in dealing with them or or indeed not dealing with them. John, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so uh, like like everyone knows the impacts of climate change are going to be most impacted on people living in vulnerable regions and also at the same time those who are young because we are going to inherit the future even if we... Uh, reach 1.5 or we uh, come out of that or even if we reach two or three degree, we have to live in that future. So when we look around all the generations, they have enjoyed their life with emitting a lot, not caring about us and our future. But at the same time, they continue to deny us our future, which we demand or which we want because we cannot let them take our future or they, we cannot let them decide like how our future should be because so like every generation when we move forward we are like kind of more progressive or kind of aware with real situations but all the generations uh, like keep all those traditions of like we shouldn't question all the generations because they are more experienced than us or they are more aged than us and they show this attitude of ageism and discrimination based on our capacities. So we might be students, but they say like they have so most of this world. So they consider this as a merit, at the same time doing nothing to avoid a crisis. So we are not even getting a space of equity which actually we should get from uh, ancestors. And it, it, the equity doesn't mean about just the resources from we, which we pass, whether it's natural resources or even a healthy planet. It also includes mere peace, justice and happiness. So for me, oh, and many activists like Living in the situation itself is a space where we doesn't have options to be happy or we doesn't have any options to be stay calm or even to enjoy. But we have only space to just focus on this crisis and to look forward to how we could deal. So all those anxiety and tensions loom around us because we have been like protesting or like demanding anything. But at the same time they just ignore us completely and continue to deny us our future, which we want. So it's very much important like as young people, we are not just talking about like switching away your uh, your fossil fuel reliance or anything. We are just asking for justice and a peaceful and equitable future. And there are all those uh, things which are like cutting down emissions. All those things are like pathways to our future. And it's being completely denied for us younger generations. Yeah.
0: Right. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, Lucy?
1: Um. So I I often find that I start to feel quite resentful of the fact that young people are the ones that carry this burden. Um, as often young people, we give so much of our youth up to push for action, um, and this is often at the expense of our own mental health and well-being as well. For many young activists in the climate space, they're actually really very burnt out, and in a sen- and essentially in some way mourning the destruction of the planet. Um, and that's a huge uh, weight to carry around um, all the time. And this is, you know, obviously particularly prevalent for those who are already feeling the frontline impacts of the climate crisis in some way, as, as Sahana and John have been talking about and, and fighting for the survival of not only the planet, but also, you know, their local communities and their cultures. Um, you know, I'm very aware that I'm in a privileged position in in this, but it, it's still, um, You still can't put that awareness of the climate crisis down it is in every action that young people now take you know from what food we eat to the way we get around to far more profound decisions like whether uh, we wish to have a family in the future and and those kinds of um uh decisions are, are the ones i find sometimes unfair because other generations would not have had to give uh would not have had to make those choices um like whether they wish to have a family or or how they're going to live in their future um, and make sure it's a more prosperous one. Um, but I've tried to learn to let go of that resentment um, and just instead try and draw inspiration from the wonderful activists and campaigners that um, I meet at the COP, places like the COPs, um, because young people are so crucial in these conversations as well and they provide a voice that is unburdened by self-interest which you know governments and corporations whether rightfully or not are always built to prioritize their own interests and so youth can provide a voice that is um, more neutral and can speak directly for the climate and for future and present generations and so that's why they're so crucial at these these big conferences and, and in the wider discussion more generally.
0: Yes yes Thank you. You you, you talked. I, I I'd like to come on to COP twenty six in a moment. I just some aspects of it, but you you talked uh, talking about the, the psychological. you have all been talking about the psychological and emotional burden of uh, how how you're living this moment um, on the fir- in the first place, witnessing what's happening in the world in your in your environments and and and, and another level. As activists, as putting yourself on the line, as making sacrifices, uh, you know, getting deeply involved, weighing these questions, and 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 engaging with them emotionally and psychologically. So I'm just wondering, Lucy, could you talk a little bit about that in the sense that um, I mean, you talked a bit a bit about it personally. Is this something that you feel is 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 uh, is a strong trend? Do you see this in, with people around you? I mean, there's, there's young people in the first place, and then there's young people who are activists. Uh, we just talk. A little bit about that, Lucy.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely felt across um, the young generation, whether you're an activist or not, you know, people who have, who are in the activism space are usually carrying a huge amount of emotional burden um, in doing so because they're often coming from a space of anger or upset um, or distress, in all honesty, you know, at seeing these impacts happening either firsthand or around the world. Um, and that is uh, that's a huge load for a young person to carry um, when you're also just trying to, you know, make your find a space in the world, find uh, how you're going to um, make an impact yourself in in your in your everyday life, what job you want to do, how you're going to do at school. That's a big weight to be carrying as to whether your future is going to be one that you wish to live in. And um, particularly those who, you know, we're very used to seeing Gretchen. Thunberg and Vanessa Nakate and these wonderful activists on the front of Time um, and newspapers around the world. But we forget that they are young, very young people who, you know, are should not be. This should not be placed on their shoulders. It's not their burden to carry. Um, they are wonderful in the work that they do, but this should be on the shoulders of governments and it should be on the shoulders of world leaders who are elected officials. Um, who can carry this burden, who have the resources and the capacity to carry this burden. Um, it is far too much on many young people's mental health to be to have this responsibility placed on their shoulders at such a young age.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, Sonar, can you talk a little bit about the, the psychological and emotional burden and, and and indeed on those around you?
3: Yes, uh thank you uh... So, the climate crisis is uh, increasing our anxiety and anger because the global leaders, they are not hearing our voice So and they are not doing enough. And they are, they are creating only plans and it's a totally empty. So this empty plan and empty summit, empty promise, empty place, it's is increasing our uh, e- e- emotional anger too. So for this uh, cause, we are organizing climate protest and a strike and urging them to do uh, our, uh, to do save our uh, future and presence. Like uh, when uh, to signing the Paris Agreement, the John Kerry, former uh, Secretary of Foreign Affairs and now advisor of the Biden administration, he brought her uh, his uh, young girl uh, grandchildren as a symbol of the young generation. Like that, he is signing the Paris Agreement to protecting younger generation uh, future. So we the generation are facing. Uh, incre- increase increased natural disaster, and my next generation, my children, they will face more natural disaster to me. So climate crisis is uh, is uh, is a uh, uh, losing our uh, assets, our memories, our loved house, loved ones. So it's crisis. So. Every country should treat a crisis, a crisis as a crisis, and needed coordinated action. It's no opportunity to blaming one or thing. So everyone should do their action without the business as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, John. Can you talk about a little bit also about how how do you manage the 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 stress and uh, anxiety?
1: Yeah.
2: So, like I have said, I come from a natural place, like an agriculture uh, tradition. So, I have a close connection with nature. So, the same time when we have tensions from anything, it's also the place where we have the space to reflect or relax because that is a place where we uh, strive to protect. So, because like when we engage with nature, like looking around trees or even planting something, it gives a lot of relaxations. So then we have like uh, like being in a company of like real actors that is from land uh, communities and also activists and also uh, diversifying our actions because when we uh, just demand actions from the government like initially it was difficult because they were ignoring us and not uh, like listening to us so it was also the same time I wanted hope so I also began to involve in local environmentalism and also local actions and also collaborations with like-minded people and NGOs. So when we demand actions at the same time, we have some hopeful activities which we have created that translates to real actions and actually assisting communities and also being part of real actions. So those things actually helps to come out of uh, those psychological stress or anything, but it's only for a short period of time because for a longer time, we have this in our head because what the reality is like, our contributions or what, whatever we do it's not enough because the key to the crisis or key to dealing the crisis or solving it lies with the corporations and governments so when we when i think about that it's almost like more emotional because like the future the key to my future itself lies in their hands so nothing which i do doesn't matter so those things just help me in the uh, short term to be relaxed and uh, distress. yeah
0: it's very interesting you say that because the scale of the problem is so vast it's almost unthinkable uh, the 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 time frame over which it's unfolding the 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 idea that the the weather cycle that you know climate cycle it could take 20 years before we start to see some of the consequences that of our actions today uh, is so dependent on so many actors outside of uh, our control as you say um having some tangible projects you can work on uh that have a smaller scope uh but but uh you can see results must be uh, uh very helpful um I- i'm wondering about uh, uh before coming on to cop 26 uh, your your ex- your various experience of of media coverage of of having a platform um, and, you know, there's been a lot of attention uh, with youth activists in the media recently around COP and and, and marching and so forth. But um, the media has its own interests as well. And uh, I'm just interested to get your sense Of what what it feels like uh and and being a young person uh being listened to or how your voice is being used maybe um if if you could talk a little bit about that maybe lucy if you wanted to just jump in there
1: yeah sure um i think it's it's difficult um in that many young people are very aware of when their voice is being used tokenistically um because within the Within the climate space, you know, it, it can often be a bit of a um, a box-ticking exercise. You know, have the youth voice in there, and um, and it looks like good stakeholder engagement in some way, or it looks as if um, you know the government or the corporation is being more ambitious than it possibly may be if you have the youth presence. Um, and so, potentially, with some media, that could be the case. I wouldn't say I've, th- I, I've had that experience with it, though. Um, I think the media coverage around COP26 has has been great in picking up youth voices, um, and it's provided a good balance um, from the the more general, possibly more government and corporate based uh, headlines that we've seen coming out of COP26. Um, young people are often more frank in their conclusions of these conferences, and and of governments, they're often more more candid um and so it helps us get a clearer picture of what's really going on within inside cop 26. um it definitely feels as if as well around this cop there's a lot more media attention just in general not just around um not just around youth voices um when i was at cop 24 there there was media there but it certainly wasn't to the level that is around cop 26 and i actually think that this the momentum from the the media and and kind of the political impetus you know cop is now a household word this year especially in the uk and um it's really it has provided a good um good momentum behind the cop that i wouldn't necessarily say is always there um as i say still halfway through so we'll see if that comes to fruition by Definitely. the end but um it certainly has delivered far more momentum with the expanded media coverage
0: but very interesting, very interesting. So, Hanur, have, have you any uh, reflections on this? Yes, uh, thank you uh,
3: about the media experience. So now, media and government, government governments all are dominating by the businessmen and corporation. So sometimes and many times our voice is not ensured also in media. Um, they are favoring the corporation. And in Bangladesh, when we strike Uh, climate uh, protest or organized climate protest so media is not paying more attention or more coverage on their page also and uh, but they cover from the international uh, news agency like in Bangladesh they cover Glasgow's protest but they are not provide importance on the uh, Bangladeshi protest at first they should Pirate is Bangladeshi protest, but they are not. So uh, I have experienced in COP26, so AAP is based on uh, 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 France-based news uh, network or news agency. They found me maybe by social media and nominated me their uh, Dhaka office. And the Dhaka office was travelled to my city and captured my uh daily activism and uh, my and uh, it focus on my anxieties also so in uh 5th uh, november is a youth day for cop so on that day this uh, video uh, news uh, uh, re- uh has released around the world with the many languages so now my voice my face is spread all uh, all over the world. But before that, our media is not, uh, was not interested to cover me. So now still, many Bangladeshi national newspaper is knocking me to, uh, to know about my story and to cover my activism. But I started my activism in 2016, and I have many contributions for Bangladeshi uh, climate movement, but they were not interested to cover me thank you
0: yeah right very, very interesting uh the 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 media coverage the growing media coverage and attention uh, uh john what's your perspective you wanted to come to cop that wasn't possible um but uh what's your feeling about the media coverage that you get uh when dealing with, with in your activism and more generally
2: yeah uh so when, when it comes to coverage like right, uh media comes a lot to ask like why we are into activism or what we want to achieve or like all those questions, like the like same kind of uh, questions which everyone asks, but there are like things which they should actually do like before coming to us. Like, like so why we are into activism or why why we are on this. So that's why they should like make people aware of issues like climate crisis and how it's impacting us. So for instance, like when uh, Tokyo Olympics was going on, it, it, it got like 24 hours coverage. And even after that, it was trending everywhere. But at the same time, Many of the area was on the flood. And and it's it's not just this year, but like almost every year, it's like a, a, a series of climate crisis. So it, it should be a, a separate part, like a sports, like it should be a 24-hour coverage, but they doesn't do that because it's something which concerns our future and people are dying, but they never do that. At the same time, there are areas where like media uh, try to like tokenize youth or kind of create uh, celebrity activists for instance someone does more work uh, than other activists or let's like, just get more platforms than other activists so they try to uh, chase them and like make them prominent that for everything they just uh, approach them and hear only really hear them out so even many uh, activists went to the co-op uh, when many were not able to reach there but they the media didn't approach many of them because those who were on the front lines or the, those who were like climate defenders or even I call a climate martyrs because they might die uh, today or tomorrow because due to impacts of climate crisis and even other uh, uh, issues but they should get their like the chance to deliver their message and to show like how their future is at risk but media is not showing that and at the same time media also doesn't show the real side of the actions which we need it's also like promoting those Fake actions like the greenwashing things, like so. When leaders say net zero, they hail it, and when leaders say deforestation by 2030 or uh, 2050, they will end. Then media hails it, but media never like showcase how uh, impacts like uh, climate crisis is impacting people across the globe, or even doesn't even show the uh, things which young activists or the kind of sacrifices which young activists are really making to secure a livable future.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting you say that. Um, the Global Witness has done quite a bit of work on this and the growth and the the the, the terrifying uh, number of deaths of environmental activists are working on the front line in various different countries, and this is growing. Um, do, do you, have you felt uh, vulnerable? Uh, have you seen in, with, with other, other activists, have you have they been vulnerable uh, physically? Uh, Can you just talk a little bit about that and then maybe Sohana and, and Lucy? So
2: uh, when it uh, comes to this uh, like the issue with defenders, I haven't seen any threats which like some of my friends are being facing, but we often hear in news like so, some media cover or do research like in their open journalism space, have environmental defenders like social activists uh, or even uh, climate activists are being threatened by industries. So most of them happens around areas where like we have a natural habitat or anything. For instance, forests and people over their indigenous communities, then people in agri- agricultural lands. So they often face this kind of uh, threats and abuses from the proponents who want to clean their land or destroy it or transform it to some uh, polluting industries. So uh, when it comes to farmers, those things are very much uh, common in India. So, like uh, threatening uh, people to uh, give away their land to the industries, like forcing them and also for fossil fuel infrastructure. And also at the same time, uh, like infrastructures in coastal areas, they try to evict people from there, like forcing them to evict, even if they doesn't want to move. But the government doesn't allow like any kind of like resilience or adaptation infrastructures on these regions where like people are actually impacted by issues like coastal erosion or floods. So rather it's like they kind of uh, validate those physical threats or like threat of eviction. So those those things are very important because Like I said before, like the place where I belong, that's the place which gives us identity and livelihood. So those things are being impacted. So that's a direct push uh, into poverty. So those things are happening very much uh, like across the globe. Yeah.
0: Thank you, thank you. So, Hano, have you been uh, worried about this? Has this been on your mind?
3: Thank you for this question. So in South Asia. Uh, the civil space or civic space is decreasing, and not only South Asia. In many countries, the environmental activists uh, have killed, and in South Asia, especially in Bangladesh, we uh, normally we work for for our adaptation and resilience, and uh, demanding for the climate finance. So on that time, government government uh, is uh, favoring to us, but when we are talking for the mitigation measures especially the against the coal based power plant so then they are feeling offended and uh, when i start my campaign in 2016 that time Bangladesh young people was joined the uh, movement uh, against the coal based power plant in rampal close to sundarban and currently many coal based power plant is a uh, continuing in the matarbari close to uh, Cox's was at the large, largest uh, Sandy civis. So in uh, protest time uh, uh, during uh, 2020, when we are talking against coal, against the coal uh, companies, so we feel uh, we are insecure. And uh, uh, to, today we are going to organize, if uh, organizing a strike. So then we will be detained and we will be jailed. So uh, it was our uh, feelings, and also it was a hidden threat. Like like Bangladesh is still Digital Security Act also. So uh, uh, posting or any uh, blog, if it's uh, go to uh, uh, against the government, then we will be detained or jailed and uh, uh, killed by the uh, the coal company. So I have to maintain my personal security, and I also every time to uh, to our my colleagues who are in the grassroots to maintaining their personal safety and security, and also risk management also. So, but now the wind uh, uh has changing. Like Bangladesh is still a uh, phased out 12 coal based power plant. Considering our movement, but the movement in time was was very risky. But now it's changing, and government uh, committed for forty percent renewable energy by twenty forty. But problem is that the global community is not paying their role. They are not providing their uh, financial uh, contribution for adaptation and mitigation. They are not supporting for loss and damage. So if they and they are not fulfilling their promise, so our governments like Bangladesh or Nepal or other country, they will not. Do to the fulfilling their promise to with just transition, but our uh, countries is a uh, economy is growing, so they will not uh, take decision. So their idea is that uh, we need pollution for the economic growth. So everyone is busy busy with their economic growth, but they have not concerned that no profit, no business, no uh, job in a dead planet. So everyone should take their responsibility to saving the mother earth.
0: So COP twenty six isn't over yet, and and deals often get negotiated at the end of the cops. But I'm wondering, Lucy, what you think needs to happen? What else needs to happen at the scale of change? What are your hopes for this COP?
1: And my my main hope for the negotiations would be that they uh, are led by science and they keep one point five degrees targets at. Uh, at the fore of the negotiations um obviously the differences between 1.5 and 2 degrees um that were both set out in the Paris agreement are are hugely substantial and and they can't be taken for granted you know it doesn't seem like a lot; it's only half degree but but it really does mean um you know a marked difference in the future um the difference between you know the earth's coral reefs um being all but wiped out or being you know being able to salvage some <laughs> prosperity within the coral reefs. Um, you know, it's the difference between preventing the collapse of the ice sheets and, and having a, a, an opportunity to save them. It's, you know, numerous more droughts, floods, heat waves. Um, so the negotiations being led by science and meeting the 1.5 degrees target um, would be my the main thing that I'm calling for at this negotiation. Um, most importantly, platforming the voices of those most impacted within the negotiations. So, in you know, Indigenous peoples, um, Global South peoples and youth voices, um, which I wouldn't say I've seen enough of within the negotiation space. Um, obviously, within the civil society, civil society is fantastic at platforming those voices. Um, it really uh, strives to be as inclusionary as possible. However, obviously, with the COP, happening during COVID. Um, there's been the issues with vaccines, there's been the issues with passports and visas. And it's meant that, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of activists from around the world have not been able to make it, that should have been here and should have been able to use their voice at this conference. And and so that's um that for me has been um a lost opportunity and and something that has to be rectified uh, for future conferences. Um, and, and ultimately, what I want to see in these conferences is just um, and real solutions. Um, Greta, at the Fridays for Future March the other day, she she put it best when she said that it should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. And that is ultimately what we're still seeing in these conferences. Um, we're still seeing a continuation of business as usual. We're still seeing full solutions being put forward. Um, as john said earlier you know offsets are still rife um things like this greenwashing solutions that just shouldn't be part of these conferences and and wouldn't be so prevalent if these voices on the front line and from civil society were able to access the conference um and so yeah,
0: yeah. so very interesting and just to follow up on that uh, you 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 looked at the cops Close up for some time. Uh, do you think the structure needs to change? Do, do, you talked about platforms for for indigenous voices, for youth voices, and so forth. Uh, again, a very big topic. But is there something that springs to mind immediately that you would think would 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 help redress that in future cups?
1: Um, having more civil society in the room and having more youth society in the room would be um, the obvious thing to me. Um, so, for example, at the beginning of week one, when there was a high-level leaders summit, um, we weren't actually able to get into the, the part of the conference where the negotiations were taking place. The civil society were not able to get into those rooms. Um, so we weren't able to get access to those leaders that we were we are essentially here to hold to account. Um, and so more access for civil society within the actual high-level negotiations, um, within party delegations, you know, having youth representatives within those spaces, is is definitely an easy step that the conferences can make to making sure that those those solutions being forward are are ones based on climate justice and are, and of putting those most impacted at the forefront.
0: Yeah, right. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I know. I'd- do you have uh, thoughts about a few few key things that need to happen that you'd 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 hope to happen? We talk about governments, corporations are very involved; they're uh, ever present there at, at, at COP twenty six. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of talk about uh, goals and targets and so forth. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Sir?
3: So the place is frustrating. First one is India have placed in to uh, 2070 and china they placed uh, in 2060 and saudi arabia they also placed in 2060 and it's not new thing so before the cop 26 bbc leaked a report that five countries they were trying to manu- manipulate the ipcc report and they create pressure to un secretary general because they are telling uh, they're saying uh, saying that they are not uh, interested to phase out from fossil fuel because COVID created economic burden to them and they are not interested to provide finance for the most affected communities. So they're in their own position. So it's a very frustrating. And Paris Agreement, uh, in Paris Agreement, they placed, they promised it's by 2050 uh, net zero. And net zero is not real zero, but they uh, agreed about net zero. So they, are, they are not honoring their own promise. They are not uh, uh, in position to fulfilling their own commitments. So they committed in 2009 to provide $100 billion by 2020 in every year with new additional grants. But they, they are totally failed. So now in this COP, the uh, COP26 presidency is a, uh, developing the delivery plan and it will uh, not be possible by next two years. But we need urgent support for many communities in Bangladesh. They are in still Marund and Waterloo since one year after the cyclone Amphan and Yash. And many people is moving to secondary city for this crisis. And it will be a global crisis as a uh, 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 external displacement or migration. And Bangladesh is still hosting 10 million Rohingya people. Rohingya refuses. But no one country was not taking responsibility for the Rohingya refugees. So when Bangladeshi people will be refusing, no one take responsibility. So my hope, my aspiration, my expectation for COP26, we need global solidarity. We need global accountability. We need global cooperation global partnership to tackle this crisis and to uh, support the most affected peoples and also uh, changing our economy to decarbonize. And we have many solutions. We know all our problems. We know all of the solutions, but problem is we are not, especially our uh, politician is not honest. So they are more concerned about their economy, but also they have to focus on the human rights because climate crisis is a human rights issue so they have no uh, right to destroying children future children presence, women rights because many women in bangladesh they are losing their sexual organs they are affecting in their sexual uh, reproductive health and rights and many children died in the uh, in 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 uh, mother uh, pregnancy time so it's totally a, a crisis moment for us so take this crisis as crisis with the realistic action plan concrete action plan and i hope cop26 leaders will be take this decision with concrete action plan thank you
0: thank you um i yeah that that that's a very power, powerful message i'm just wondering john um in terms of we've touched on 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 um this question of a platform platform for young people uh for indigenous peoples more generally um and 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 civil civ- civil society i'm just wondering as you look at it what messages aren't getting through do you think in terms of coverage of of, of the the climate crisis uh not just in COP, but more generally. Uh, uh, just finally, final question for for all of you. Uh, but maybe starting with John. You know, what what, what message would would you l- like to see getting emphasised that you think is not getting through? We've touched on on on, on some in, in this interview, of course. So we uh, may, may well have, have uh, uh, yeah covered some of the, the most important ones. But well, if there's anything you'd like to add.
2: Yeah, so uh, the major issue is like we all know the solutions and we also all know the problems, but the issue is like the government is not acting on that because they are even uh, trying to increase their profits even in a short period of time in the name of addressing crisis. So uh, like I said, uh, we, we need to have like clear mechanism to bring people and their stories. So for instance, like. So when a government tries to greenwash, like no more coal or no more thermal plants, there are actually those things existing. Because like India might say they are investing in renewable energy and they are uh, trying to phase out uh, fossil fuel energy. But that is an international image which India is trying to build. Similarly, for the rest of the countries, for instance, Europe says they are not going to invest in fossil fuels in Europe. But they have like full fledged like, team to invest in uh, other countries, especially in global south and continue exploitations saying like, yeah, we are trying to uplift them uh, from developing stage to developed." So when it comes to our national politics or national, like like in the interior level, we have continued uh, investment in fossil fuels and injustice uh, being spread across like different age groups, communities. So when we say like uh, we have all of this, we need movements to actually target those things. So we need to have more environmental movements to come into play because environmental movements that is uh, something which care for the environment and anything that is detrimental to the environment is being questioned so in each environment if there are like those industries which are not aligning with paris agreement or not aligning with real actions we need to pick them up so we as activists or the media should portray them like the existence of those things as a like a, a manifesto of what the government stand or what they actually Doing in the means of solution is uh, greenwashing. So those things should come to the light to actually realize like where we are like in the future, like whether we are actually on a track to address a crisis or whether we are on track to like, to lose our future or to live in uh, like 1.5 or even three or four degrees. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Lucy, just finally, any messages that aren't getting through that you think it's important that you'd like to highlight?
1: um so the main message that i think that that civil society um repeatedly call uh shout is the call for climate justice and and i think that you know that needs to be covered more and more in the media um as a genuine solution to the climate crisis and not um just within the civil society space. Um, I also think that it has to be highlighted, especially in the UK, that as the hosts of the COP this year, you know, as as the leaders in the in the push for ambitious targets at this time, the UK government is still investing in fossil fuels. You know, Canberra oil field is still being planned as we speak. Um, we still invest in fossil fuel projects abroad. Um, this is by no means, um, you know, a, a, a leadership. Uh, stance to be taking and and we have to continue to hold the UK government to account in that uh, following on from the COP Um, so yeah that would that would be my main message.
0: Fantastic fantastic thank you. The People's Summit for Climate Justice I've just been reading about uh, taking place over the next few days uh, have you got hopes for that? seems like a very different approach, much more uh, wider range of voices, much more youth-oriented and, and more radical thinking.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm planning to be in Glasgow for the second week of the COP as well, and I'm hoping to, to, to attend the People's Summit this week. I'm really excited to see um, kind of the contrast from being in the blue zone in COP26 last week. The People's Summit this week, and um, it's a wonderful initiative. Uh, so, if anyone is around Glasgow, I'd recommend popping popping down.
0: Yes, yes. So, Hanor, are you uh, planning? Will you? We will you be taking part. Are you aware of this? Have you thoughts on this? Sorry, the People's Summit for Climate Justice. Are you familiar with this? Is this something that you're interested in, engaged with?
3: Yes, yes, I am interested and in planning to join the People's Summit. And we think people's power can hold accountable the global leaders. So our solution is right now people's cross movement. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the sustainability agenda for what what I think was a really powerful discussion. And thank you for all the amazing work you're doing, your commitment, your energy and engagement, and for sharing with us today your thoughts and insights about COP26 and climate change. And I wish you all the best for the future.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. It was a great discussion.
0: If you enjoyed today's discussion, we recommend you check out and support the work of Client Earth, Client Earth is an environmental law charity with a unique approach, using the law to create powerful change that protects life on Earth. To meet the global challenges facing our planet, Client Earth uses the power of the law to change systems, to achieve lasting change, informing, implementing and enforcing law and advising decision makers. Client Earth believes that a future in which people and planet thrive together isn't just possible, it's essential. You can find out more at ClientEarth.org. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. It would be great if you could leave a review and share the podcast on social media. You can sign up on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.